You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Well, it's Merger Monday in the junior mining sector, or perhaps I should say Acquisition Monday, as Monarch Gold has signed an intention with Yamana Gold uh, to be acquired, at least their flagship project, and a mill. Uh, the terms of the deal were announced today, and I asked my friend Brian Lenny of Junior Stock Review to break this deal down. This was one of his top three holdings. He has revealed that this was one of his key picks in his newsletter and personal portfolio on this show and other shows. Brian is knowledgeable and really likes investing in gold companies in the Abitibi region of Quebec and Ontario. So, Brian, welcome back onto the show. And could you break this deal down for us? And is it a good deal, excellent deal? Or how would you weigh what just occurred with this press release today? Sure. Thanks for having me, Bill. Um, so, I guess it depends on your perspective. I think, uh, first off, in a general statement um, from Humana's point of view, I think this is a great deal for Humana. Um, from Monarch's point of view, I think that the acquisition price is low. Um, but that needs more discussion because there, there definitely is more to it. Um, so those that aren't familiar with with Monarch, in particular Wazimac, because Wazimac is the crown jewel of this deal and of, of Monarch's investment thesis. So Wazimac, like you said, is located in Quebec in that Val d'Or, uh, Abitibi region of Quebec. Um, Wazimac has a production profile of, of over 100,000 ounces per year um, potential. Um, it's a roughly 3 million ounces of gold. And, and the most important part right now at today's gold price has an after-tax MPV of around a billion dollars. Um, so if you break it down, and I think the important part of the, the deal is just to look at the cash and Yamana shares portion of the deal. And this works out to roughly 48 cents per share um, of Monarch. Exclude the Spinco portion because I think it muddies the water a bit. So if you look at 48 cents, uh, that translates into roughly 171 million uh, dollars. And so if you compare that to around a billion dollars in MPV, um, Yamana is buying uh the Wasmac project and Camflow property and mill um, for roughly 20% of its intrinsic value. And to me, anyways, I would say that's at the very bottom of what would be widely thought of as an acceptable deal um, on Monarch's uh, case or Monarch's position. And what I actually think this is, is a springboard um, to what possibly could be a bidding more or at least one or two more bids coming from other senior companies. Because as you mentioned, uh, and, and as I think, the Abitibi and specifically the area in Valdor has tremendous history um, uh, as being a great mining jurisdiction. And I think that will continue into the future. So we saw some other uh, junior gold developers there in the Abitibi perform very well over the last few months, but Monarch seemed to lag. What did you? What do you attribute that to? I think this. I think it has to do with complexity. You know, there's a lot of moving parts uh, to Monarch's story. You know, Wasmac is a big part of it. And really, if you do the MPV calculation, really, I think all you would need to actually do is look at Wasmac. You don't even need to consider the other um, aspects, and you could you could make the the case for it being undervalued. But then once you throw in the cast position and then cam flow, they've got the uh, Beaufort mine that was producing up until over just over a year ago and probably will be another producing mine in the next year or so with the work they're doing. But you also have uh, the Swanson project, you have Mackenzie Brake, um, 
there's one more that I can't remember off the top of my head, but you have multiple, multiple, uh, other projects that, you know, in any other company in the junior space would be, would probably be single assets like, and, and they would be the flagship asset for that junior. But Mon- Monarch has, you know, a stable of them. And that's kind of been their moniker is, is, you know, they're a deal maker. They buy and sell projects, they add some value and, and hopefully sell them at a higher price. So to me, um, I would say it's it's more of the market not being able to recognize the value due to the complexity. It's not something or a red flag that at least I can see to deal with uh, to do with Monarch. And the Wazamac project, we should point out, is a feasibility stage project, too. This isn't a PEA. So I was surprised at the buyout price, especially considering the direction that gold is headed. Uh, another developer in the region, Maple Gold Mines, about a month or so ago, announced the partnership with Agnico Eagle. And since that time, their share price has tripled up over 200%. Yet on the announcement of this news, it only the shares of Monarch Gold so far, we're talking on Monday afternoon, rose about 25%, far below even the August first week of August highs where we saw it get up to about 59 cents Canadian a share. As we speak, it's about 55 cents. So what do you think the market is saying about this deal? Uh, so there's I have a couple thoughts. First, uh, to do with Maple and the deal with Agnico. Agnico Eagle, in my opinion, and I think it's it's fairly widely held, is that Agnico Eagle is one of those premier senior companies. Their involvement in the story, and especially if that involvement is current, so they they participate in a placement or they take a position within the last year that holds a lot of lot of water in, in terms of being a very good thing. And uh, Maple in particular, um, I, I don't know the story intimately, but I know that they their market cap was quite low. So for it to go three times, um, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me because you could you could make the uh, the case that they were undervalued to begin with. Um, in Monarch's case, you know, once that deal is made, you kind of have, you've just put a ceiling on the share price. Unless we get another bidder come in and shareholders can see that there's the potential, the real potential for a bidding war, um, I, I really think you'll see the share price hover where it is, maybe come up to the 63 cents, maybe. Um, but my, my guess is that we go sideways until there or if there's some more traction with another bidder, possibly Alamos Gold. You know, Alamos is a 16% owner in in Monarch as it is. 100%, they're going to be uh, taking a look at the deal, how it's structured, and what they think of it. And it, you know, to me, from a quantitative perspective, um, it's quite compelling to say that you know there's room that you can move up there. And I think on the top side. Like if everything goes in Monarch's favor, you're probably looking at a 40% value in terms of Wasimac and Camflow. Um, but maybe that that kind of thing to shoot for, which what I would like to see is maybe 30%. And that puts the closing of the deal around 320-ish million um, for you know Monarch shareholders. Plus, they would get the Spinco shares, which I think is a very good thing. Okay, I'm going to put the... Uh, press release in the show notes too if you want all the nitty-gritty explanation of this uh, for listeners but brian when you bought your monarch gold shares what was the buyout price or the price per share that you had in mind we're at 55 cents canadian right now but what did you envision for a sell point so given what the john mark lacoste had outlined to me what their plan was 
um, and the valuation that I came up with personally in my model. Um, I put a, a sell target or a price target of $1.20. And this is back in July, the very beginning of July when I wrote the original article. And I just thought, you know, considering where the market was, the catalysts that were ahead, um, it's it was my opinion that these things are going to be recognized and, um, you know, things are going to start to come into place. Now, again, that kind of highlights, you know, how much lower that actual sale price is. But again, we're basically only talking about Wasmac here, not the other components. So it's a little bit different. If Alamos Gold and their 16% does not vote in favor of this, do you think all the retail shareholders and everybody else will send this deal forward at these prices? That's a really good question. <laughs> I think I think I'm not convinced either way right now. If I were to guess, I would say there's a lot of money that's just waiting to see if we get another bid probably by the end of November. And then the decision will have to switch to how am I going to vote for this? Um, you know, it's it's a tough one to call because we're in a really sideways downwards market right now and but for most people i think they see the gold price going in one direction and in that way i could see this deal get voted down quite easily because like i said it is on the low end of the spectrum you know no, no matter how you slice it but uh, i have to throw a caveat in there it's easy to brush away the risks involved in developing a mine you know these are these are complex things and yamana is taking on a lot of risk in putting uh, or buying a project like this and develop it. You know, you've got in a general sense, you know, you've got technical risk, you've got jurisdictional risk, um, you've got commodity price risk. Um, there's a number of things that can come into play. And that's why these senior companies need to buy things at a value or at a discount to value. And why, you know, 20, 30, maybe even 40% are about as high as they get. Once you get up above a company that's selling for an MPV above that, um, then, you know, there, there's much too much, there's much more risk than is probably warrants an acquisition. So in your opinion at 55 cents Canadian per share or 41 cents us where it's at right now, as we chat, it's a good deal and your downside is pretty minimal. Would you say? Absolutely. You know, what, what I would say is this, you know, we've had it in the portfolio for a few months now. And for us, it's a hold. We want to see what's going to happen in the next few weeks and then make a more a better decision. But I would say for investors uh, that are looking from the outside in, um, in my view, as I've explained, even at 60 cents per share, I see a lot of upside potential, especially once we hit that next leg of the gold bull market. So in, in my view, um, I think if, if you don't own the company, an entry at this position, especially, you know, at the, like you said, the 50 cents or 40 cents for the U.S. investors, you get great, great downside protection. Plus, you have some upside there in the short term if this becomes a bidding war. And the, since it's at the feasibility stage, best case scenario with permitting in Quebec and everything, could it be in production in three years? What would be, what have probably, you been told? Probably best case is three years. It would be my guess. And then on the high end, of course, it's so hard to tell these days with COVID and all the other, all the other stuff that's involved. Um, but yeah, I would say best case scenario, you're probably looking at three years for this to be in production. And Brian, before you go, uh, what type of advice would you leave with my listeners for Q4? We have the United States election that's upon us, uh, tax loss selling. I mean, what do you see are the major risks and how are you navigating it? Um, I see the major risk is the uncertainty. And of course, tomorrow is a, or the U.S. election is a huge day um, in, and really in the world, not just the U.S. For me and for what I've said to subscribers, 
I want to wait and see what happens. I'm not one to try to predict the future. We're talking about an immensely complex thing that's going on. And things can go different ways. If it's a Trump win or a Biden win, or if either one of them wins and it's contested, um, I can see it un- unravel in numerous ways. So the way that we're dealing with it is we're, I'm, I'm saying, <clears throat> you know, put in, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be your classic stink bid, but put a bid in that's 20 or 30% or 15 to 20% below where you, where it's currently trading at and see what happens. And the whole idea would be is if it does come back, we're going to buy in tranches. Um, but if it does take off, then we're already in a great position because the portfolio has been positioned to minimize our downside risk and be ready for when that second leg continues. And, uh, so be patient. And I think don't try to get ahead of yourself and try to forecast where things are headed. Let's see where it's going. Excellent advice. Well, Brian, thank you for giving your insights on this transaction. And to learn more about Brian's service, please head on over to juniorstockreview.com. And several emails a week, I get asking about newsletter recommendations. And I would advise you to go check out Brian's newsletter if you're looking for professional guidance in the junior gold sector. Have a great day, everybody. And thanks for joining me, Brian. Thanks for having me, Bill. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks. Concommitment with that if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks, too. I just started to study up on mining stocks, and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well, or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors, and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own 
own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.